Voice of San Diego podcasts are made possible in part by Downtown San Diego Partnership, a member-based nonprofit organization that's the leading advocate for the economic vitality and growth of Downtown San Diego. Resolutions are so last year. 2018 is about setting intentions, and there's no better place to set your intention than in a yoga class under the clear blue San Diego sky. Join the Downtown Partnership and Yoga One for free yoga classes this month, brought to you by Scripps Health, Saturdays at 9 a.m. in downtown San Diego's Pantoya Park. Visit downtownsandiego.org today to sign up. They didn't give us an option to go away or to close up shop or to just quit. They they seemed like they were out for blood. Um, I don't know if, you know, given six or 12 months into the trial, um, you know, in this lawsuit, if they had said, hey, we'll let you go free and clear if you just go out of business and leave us alone. I, I don't know if we would have taken that or not. We were terrified. Welcome to I Made It in San Diego, Voice of San Diego's podcast about the stories behind the region's businesses, the big and the small, and the people who made them what they are. I'm Kinsey Moreland, and in this week's show, a story about Mike Glanz, CEO of Hire a Helper, a web-based moving business in Oceanside. When the Hire a Helper website first launched back in 2007, Most people were either renting their own trucks and doing the work themselves or with the help of friends, or they were hiring a full-service moving company and paying them thousands of dollars to do everything. The idea of being able to rent your own moving truck and then easily hire people to help you fill it was a new one. People would go to Craigslist to hire workers or drop by Home Depot and pick up day laborers. The website, though, made hiring a moving helper much easier. Folks can use the site to easily compare prices and hire people to move them. It was like being able to call up your friends to come help you move, even if you don't have any friends. Hire a Helper called this emerging market the hybrid move, and they wanted HireHelper.com to be one of the first, best websites to help people do it. When they launched in June of 2007, they got a lot of attention. A new way to move your stuff. A new trend catching on big time. It's called the hybrid move. Hybrid movers. Hybrid. A combination of do-it-yourself and a full-service move. You rent your own truck and hire your labor through Hire a Helper. Anyone who lives in the United States can use the website. The idea caught on quickly, and Hire a Helper has been growing every year since its launch. But the company was hit with a massive trademark infringement lawsuit early on. Legal fees nearly brought the business down. But they made it through, barely. And now the company pulls in nearly $8 million in annual revenue. You will save thousands of dollars doing it this way. And you don't load or unload. They unpacked, they unloaded, they put beds together, they did everything. I didn't do a thing. Mike Glanz is one of those rare San Diego natives. He grew up in Bay Park and graduated from Claremont High School. He didn't go far for college. He went to Riverside to a small college where he studied computer science. He knew early on that he wanted to be a web entrepreneur. 
Right out of college, he got a job programming at a software development company. And it was there that he started coming up with ideas for web-based businesses. I had uh, uh, tried to start a online forum slash group for people who wanted to find poker home games called seniorstacks.com. Uh, so embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> That's talking not about it now. Um, and so that was probably the, uh, the first idea that I ever had. Uh, we made a app uh, back before apps were a thing, but it was, it was just like a web app that um, called Lunch Run 3000 where you could actually, um, it would select the where you were going for lunch uh, for you and your office. Everyone would put in like, <laughs> I want healthy and I don't want to spend more than $15. And then it would randomize whatever selections matched up. Oh, that's uh, so- not a bad idea. Maybe yeah. just a little ahead of its time, huh? Uh, it was because there's actually tons of apps now that probably actually make money that do the same thing. Totally, um, yeah. But you, we, we had built that back in 05 or something, um, but n- you know, never really promoted it or anything. And then um, my first probably bigger app that actually got a lot of traction um, was, uh, oh man, I'm spacing on the name, uh, You Got Comments. Um, so if you'll remember, um, back in the day, uh, you used to get email notifications from, uh, MySpace that would say <laughs> you got comments. That was their, their little phrase. Um, so I'd actually registered the domain, you got comments and I built an application that would scan your MySpace page and text message you when you had comments from MySpace. Uh, um, so this was before the iPhone. So yeah, people uh, were still using like their flip phones at that point. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. So the idea of notifications on your phone uh-huh. that something was happening on the internet was kind of unknown. And uh, we had built this thing um, and, and actually got a couple thousand users on it. And um, before we eventually uh, realized that it didn't make any money <laughs> um, and th- and kind of gave up on it, um, which which was probably a good thing because with the advent of the iPhone and, and apps and everything and, uh, you know, the, the, the downfall of MySpace uh, probably wasn't destined to, to really go anywhere. Um, but those were kind of the false starts um, I had that were fun that I'd built while in school or uh, early after. Just a few months into his job as a programmer, Mike realized that his personal technical skills weren't going to get him very far. It started becoming very obvious that I was nowhere near as good a programmer as I was entrepreneur. Uh, Had a lot of ideas, uh, knew how to execute, knew how to get stuff done, um, but uh, just was definitely never going to be a good programmer. So he started looking around for a solid web business he could help build. At his college in Riverside, Mike met Pete Johnson. Pete was a roommate, and the two played basketball and poker together. Pete also ran a small moving labor company during his time in college, making about 25 bucks an hour to help people load up their rented moving trucks. Eventually, the seed for Hire a Helper was planted. So he had uh, kind of started this little moving labor business, and uh, we started talking about making a marketplace for these moving labor companies. Um, We felt like the hybrid move, this, um, you know, you get the truck and we'll provide the guys. Uh, This whole notion of the a la carte move um, was up and coming. It was interesting to see people who were middle class, who had never used movers before, now hiring movers uh, and the truck because it wasn't 
you know, $3,000 for movers, it was, you know, a hundred bucks for the truck and 200 bucks for movers. And you were getting this full service move, uh, at a, at a much more affordable price. Uh, and we felt like that was kind of, uh, going to be a thing. And we, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to bet on it. We felt like uh, if we if we can make a marketplace where all of these hybrid moving companies uh, were instead of people having to go to Craigslist and everything, that mm-hmm. that we could, um, you know, help propagate this idea of the hybrid move uh, faster and you know hopefully make a little bit of money off of it. And uh, uh, so uh, partially because he was in the moving labor already, and partially because he. Uh, was one of the few college students I know who had a few thousand extra dollars and uh, <laughs> that was needed. Um, I, I asked him if he'd invest and, and kind of start this thing with me. Um, and, and he said yes. I don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm glad he did. Uh, when we started, we did labor only, um, and we did not focus on the transportation. Uh, our premise um, and philosophy uh, behind the hybrid move and what we had seen starting to take place on, you know, open marketplaces like Craigslist was that um, the idea of the rental truck in the United States is per- uh, pervasive and it is part of our culture and our identity as Americans. This is how we move. We rent a truck, we buy people pizza and beer, and we move ourselves, and we do not spend $3,000 to move across town. And that doesn't exist in every other country of the world. Uh, it's, it's very much an American thing. And um, what we had started to see happen was that uh, people still didn't want to pay for professional movers. Um, they still owned a lot of things, um, but they weren't, uh, they weren't happy with this loading part. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and that, and that's what we kind of stumbled upon. Um, you know, what these early adopters of the hybrid move had, had figured out via Craigslist or, you know, going to home Depot and picking up day laborers or whatever. Uh, they had found that, Hey, I can get the rental truck and I can get the labor and I could put this thing together myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I can make the move that I want it to be uh, that's easy where I don't have to do a lot of work and it has the benefits of being affordable. Um, and so we really latched on to that idea um, and we, we labeled it the hybrid move. Um, and we, uh, we went out there and we started spreading the gospel saying, look, this is the way that you should move. Uh, you should go get your own truck, go to Penske budget, you haul, whoever, get a truck, uh, and then come to us and we'll provide the labor and we'll get this whole thing done for you for under $500. Hire a helper didn't create the more affordable labor only moving industry. The website just brought it all together. To build up their cachet of professional movers, they did a lot of cold calling, like a whole lot. And they weeded out the workers who didn't do a good job, focused on the ones who did, and tried to get them to agree to be available to help through the Hire Helper website. We had stumbled upon uh, the start of this industry where we started finding other companies who were doing what Pete had done, who had gone out there and who had started advertising themselves on Craigslist or um, 
you know, wherever at local storage uh, facilities or apartment complexes. And uh, we're advertising themselves as doing this. Oh, we'll help you load your truck. We'll help you unload your truck. Um, so the companies existed. Um, so we were really fortunate in that sense. It wasn't, um, it wasn't necessarily like Uber where they were going out there and trying to find all these, you know, unskilled individuals, yeah. Yeah, individuals to do it. Um, we started, uh, doing both recruiting companies and individuals, we found out really quickly um, that it's very, very different than um, than an Uber driver. Uh, people do not want inexperienced movers. Uh, they do not want college students moving their stuff. Nine out of ten people uh, do not want a college student moving their stuff. They they might think that's a great idea, uh, but they don't really want. Uh, it's it's a skilled job. You have to load a lot of. Uh, heavy, fragile items into something, and it's all of your possessions are coming into your house, and you want them to take it seriously uh, and move your life from one place to another, and you don't want you don't want things broken. Um, so uh, we quickly gave up on the college students idea. Uh, there was not good satisfaction with them, and and we focused on finding companies um, where they were at, whether they were. Um, you know, advertising on Craigslist or whether they were full service moving companies who had a, you know, a labor only division. Um, and, and we had to get creative and, and we found the, the guys who were performing and, and tried to sign them up. In the early days of Hire a Helper, it was just Mike and one other employee. Pete kept his day job and just planned on being a financial investor. You know, first he gave me a couple thousand dollars and I um, built a prototype and worked with some outsourcers to do some of the parts of the programming uh, I couldn't do. Uh, I think I mentioned I wasn't the greatest programmer. Uh, So I didn't trust myself to do things like credit card processing and stuff. And, uh, and that got done. And then we sat for, you know, two or three months and waited. And I was like, did I make a mistake? Did I just waste, you know, $3,000 of this guy's money to, to build this like site that's just sitting there doing nothing. And, um, you know, three months later, then we, I was like, I, you know, get another little spurt of energy and go make another, a little bit more progress and a little bit more progress. Um, you know, and everything said and done, it, it was probably from the time he actually, you know, gave them the money and we built the prototype to the time we actually launched the website. It was probably a year. Um, and, and over that course of the year, there wasn't a ton of work that happened. You know, it wasn't like I quit my job day one and started doing it. It was, it was over the course of a year where we, it got to the point where it was like, okay, well, this is actually functioning well enough now that I could actually make this a job. Um, you know, it doesn't make any money, but, but I could launch this and, and we could try it out. Um, and so that, you know, that happened um, June 1st of 2007. Um, and that, that was probably the big day where it became the most real. Mike realized he needed to take the leap and make Hire Helper his full-time day job if they wanted it to succeed. It meant giving up his cushy day job as a programmer and telling his wife that he'd be taking a big financial risk. In 2007, it was a different world back then when it came to the web. Not many people were tech-savvy yet, and the idea of putting your personal credit card information into a website to hire workers you've never met still freaked a lot of people out. First of all, the iPhone didn't exist. So uh, just for, in general, we told people that people were going to spend $300 to book services online and people laughed at us. <laughs> no one believed that anyone would do that. Um, totally, totally different um, you know, consumer atmosphere than, than it is today. Now it's just an assumed thing. 
Mike did the rounds in Silicon Valley and looked for investors. He hit up venture capitalists in San Diego, too. But he heard the same thing over and over and over again, which was that moving is boring. And the investors at the time just didn't see enough consumers being willing to use their credit card and spend a few hundred dollars on the internet. The rejection didn't phase Mike too much, though, mostly because he knew how badly moving sucks. He knew the market was there, he knew the need was there, and the service Hire a Helper was offering was valuable. So he did it. He gave up his cushy six-figure job in software development and went all in on a website that had yet to make any money. I wasn't going to go without a paycheck. Um, I couldn't I couldn't jump off the cliff and, and just uh, hope to fly. Uh, so we did we went around and asked friends and family uh, for money uh, to give us some kind of runway. Uh, and we were really lucky to pull together $150,000 from friends and family. Wow. Um, so all based in San Diego. Uh, so angel investors uh, gave us the money. Um, so and we, f- we figured with that we'd have operating costs for um, 18 months, uh, you know, depending on how sales went. Um, and, and that would give us uh, enough runway to, to get going. Um, so that was probably the first start, and that was definitely needed. Uh, I don't think that there was a way that we were going to um, make that leap uh, with the amount of student loans we had and um, where we were financially at the time. With my, my wife's a nurse, and uh, she was just out of nursing school, so she had a good first job, uh, but probably not enough money to pay all of our student loans and uh, support us both. Um, so being able to, to start off with, you know, 15 bucks an hour at least as a starting salary, um, you know, made a big difference in the ability to do that. So I was, I was really fortunate in that sense to be able to, uh, to pull in the startup capital uh, to help with that. Just 10 days into it, Mike realized he needed more help. He decided he needed Pete as more than just a hands-off financial investor. This was way more work uh, than I would be able to handle on my own. Um, and, you know, Pete was uh, doing something right out of school, and I went to him and I said, look, you're not even making that much money. Why don't you just, like, you, you might make the difference here. So why don't you just stop what you're doing now, come make the same amount of hire helper, and help me get this off the ground for a year. And let's see, let's, you know, give us a shot to actually work. Um, and that was probably, uh, I mean, that, I mean, we wouldn't have survived without him. So Peter is the yin to Mike's yang. Mike's better at dreaming and envisioning the company's future. He's also good at sales, marketing, and long-term strategy stuff. But Peter was better at the more practical things that needed to get done. It wasn't until Pete agreed to quit his job and join the startup that the business started taking off. Pete cold-called thousands of moving companies across the country and got a huge amount of service providers to sign up to offer moving labor. Mike focused on getting people who were looking for moving help to find the website. And so I just started with what I knew. I knew how to give us an online presence. I knew how to rank for Google. I knew how to build links and, um, you know, and, and develop a web presence. And so we started with that. Um, 
every time we'd venture into some sort of traditional advertising uh, via radio or uh, video ads or anything like that, we just we just weren't successful with mm-hmm. at it. Um, so we we just kind of naturally fell into more of a grassroots online, um, you know, social media and search engine optimization um, marketing style. Um, and then, uh, you know, Pete's dad was an electrician. My dad was a painter. Um, and then we had this just really, really backwards, um, idea that if we just provided a really good service and made customers happy that they would tell other people about it and then we wouldn't have to continue to pay for marketing. Um, and so that's worked out really well for us. How did you per- position yourself early on as the place to go? You know, I'm sure people still maybe go to Craigslist for this, but that was probably your main competition in the beginning, right? So how did you define yourself as better, a better choice? Uh, the problem with uh, where these early adopters were going uh, and, and there's a number of places, not, you know, not just Craigslist or, you know, the, the Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Um, there were uh, there were there were actually other websites out there that were trying to do the same thing. But uh, the issue that we saw with them is that they weren't leveraging the power of the marketplace. Um, and the power of the marketplace is is really uh, found in facilitating a safe transaction. Um, and we were looking at the problem with with these transactions that were occurring in these other natural marketplaces and there's no insurance. Uh, there's no guarantee. Uh, th- there was really no value. They were they were trying to put people together without providing the value. And so, um, our position has always been that you can get the benefits of this hybrid move, and you don't have to sacrifice uh, the best parts of the f- expensive full service move. Um, so we created the f- the first of its kind uh, insurance on. Uh, hybrid moving. Yeah. Uh, it, it actually was not a type of insurance that existed. Um, so we actually had to find an insurance company and create a, a, an insurance from scratch where the we could actually insure labor-only movers who weren't providing the truck um, so that people who were hiring hybrid movers through us uh, would have insurance on it too. So, And that's important just so people understand. It's important because if you hire someone and they get hurt while they're working for you, you could potentially be on the hook. Is that why insurance is so important? There's a few reasons uh, insurance is important. There's uh, there's the kind of the workman's comp and the liability aspect of it. Uh, that's one aspect of it, but that's actually not the most common. One third of moves result in damage claims. Oh. Uh, so the, the insurance that's the, the most important to consumers uh, during the moving process is is actually the cargo insurance, uh, and the the traditional moving industry has has kind of had a lockdown on this cargo insurance where it hasn't been available in the past. It's only been available to these really expensive full service movers as part of their package. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to do that work and 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 find someone who would back an insurance product where we can insure these labor only movers even though the consumer a lot of times was going to drive the rental truck. So that was kind of the stickler. We had to go mm-hmm. out there and we had to convince an insurance company that, hey, it's worth insuring these goods because we have professional movers and and the homeowners are going to drive the truck, but the stuff's going to come out uh, all right on the other end. And um, it, it, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It, it happened uh, 
after tens of thousands of transactions and had gone through us and, and we proved that the claims rate was low. Um, so in, in fact, today, our, our insurance rates are exceptional. We, we, we give it away for free as part of, um, you know, booking the move through us because we have less than 3% claims rate. Hmm. Um, so if you book a full service mover, pick any moving company off, you know, American Moving and Storage Association's website, book them, uh, your chances of uh, filing a claim uh, for damage or broken items after your move is one in three. Um, so mm-hmm. about 30%. Um, and via hire helper, it's less than 3%. So you're, you're literally 10 times less likely uh, to file a damage claim uh, or have damaged items by doing this hybrid move. Um, and, and we found uh, that when the consumer has control over their own move, mm-hmm. uh, when they're selecting uh, the, the service provider uh, and they're driving the truck, that they're going to be more careful and their stuff's going to get taken care of better. Um, and, you know, somehow they save money at the same time. The hire a helper pricing model has changed several times over the years, but the service has always been free to the consumer. Mike and Pete make money by charging the service providers a percent of the transaction. A year into the business, all the parts were in place. Mike and Pete buckled in and focused on growth. It was still just Mike and Pete and one employee, and by 2008, Hire a Helper was breaking even and growing pretty consistently. They were feeling really good and confident about the business. But then U-Haul stepped into the picture and served Hire a Helper with a lawsuit that nearly brought the company down. When we come back, how Hire a Helper fought the lawsuit and just barely managed to keep the business going. This podcast is sponsored in part by a proud supporter of Monarch Schools and Make-A-Wish San Diego. Monarch School educates students impacted by homelessness and helps them develop hope for a future with the necessary skills and experience for personal success. Make-A-Wish San Diego grants wishes to children with life-threatening medical conditions to enrich the human experience with hope, strength, and joy. To learn more about how you can get involved, please visit monarchschools.org and sandiego.wish.org. Hey, welcome back to I Made It in San Diego. I'm Kinsey Moreland. It was 2008 and U-Haul had seen the writing on the wall when it came to people who wanted to hire moving help without paying the high prices that come with hiring a full-service professional moving company. U-Haul started its own website that acted as a marketplace for moving laborers, and it saw Hire a Helper as a threat. And they weren't happy. Uh, They uh, claimed that, you know, a a bunch of things, but uh, the the core of their their lawsuit was that we, uh, that the term moving help uh, was trademarked and uh, that we were infringing on their trademark uh, because we used the term moving help. Um, 
like, like how to use it in your marketing and advertising or just used it? Uh, yeah, because I mean, we targeted it because we saw that people were searching for moving help. Right. Um, and that's our labor providers provided moving help because they were people who helped with moving. <laughs> um, and so we targeted it and we, and it wasn't, we didn't know it was a trademark. It wasn't, uh, it was never malicious on our part or anything like that. We knew we competed with them, but it, it if you had asked broad me all conceptual term there so I <laughs> yeah um uh I, I don't e- I don't even know that I knew that they had it trademarked um but having been a business minor I, I don't know that I would have um and having you know taken some intellectual property law I, I don't know that I would have considered the fact that it, that was even a trademark term it was uh I mean, it seems generic and, <laughs> and descriptive. I mean, it can't be a, a trademark if it's descriptive. Right. Um, so that uh, led to a, a very long and expensive lawsuit. When Mike and Pete first got served the lawsuit, the initial advice from their lawyers was not to worry too much about it. The lawyers assured them that U-Haul just wanted to protect its trademark terms and would eventually settle. So Mike and Pete quickly responded to the suit and told U-Haul they'd stop using the moving help term and pay the company a little bit of money to make the lawsuit go away. But that plan didn't pan out. And then it became, I would say over the course of the next you know, three to six months, it became apparent that they were not interested um, in settling. They were interested in not having competition. Um, and so our, you know, our, our initial settlement offer of, uh, you know, to stop using the term um, and, you know, maybe give them a few dollars, you know, to leave us alone, uh, they rejected. They ramped up really quickly. Um, we thought we were good sitting on, you know, 50 or $70,000 in the bank at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, legal bills ramped to ten dollars or $20,000 a month um, over the next, you know, three to six months. Um, and it became very apparent that U-Haul, uh, one, wasn't going to settle, uh, two, they weren't going away. Um, and then it, you know, uh, what was scarier to us was that how fast the money was disappearing. So, you know, when we, we'd sit there and do projections on where we were going, uh, as a business, uh, there wasn't a clear answer on what we needed to do. We we didn't have the, they didn't give us an option to go away or to close up shop or to just quit. They, they seemed like they were out for blood. Mm. Um, I don't know if, you know, given six or 12 months into the trial, um, you know, in this lawsuit, if they had said, Hey, we'll let you go free and clear. If you just go out of business and leave us alone, I I don't know if we would have taken that or not. We were terrified. Um, But we were never given that opportunity. So it was, we have to pay legal fees uh, to defend ourselves. Otherwise, you know, they're going to impact my earnings for the rest of my life after this business exists. Um, So we we sat there and uh, it forced Pete and me to figure out how we were going to pay the bills, um, how we were going to fight the lawsuit. And um, we were confident if it went to trial that we would be fine. Uh, we, we, we felt very confident in the merits of our case. Um, 
if we could just survive the legal fees, we, we knew we'd be okay. So how did you survive those legal fees? Did you go back to your friends and family and get more investment or? No, we did an analysis. We sat there and we looked and like, you know, we have 30,000, I don't know what the numbers are, but we have $30,000 in the bank account and we have $80,000 in legal fees coming up um, in the next year. So we need to make $30,000 into $80,000. How are we going to do that? And, uh, the obvious answer was to grow the business. Um, so rather than conserve that $30,000 and try and spend it on legal fees as frugally as we can, uh, we worked harder at the business and we spent that $30,000 trying to turn that 30,000 into, uh, enough money to pay the legal fees on an ongoing basis. And we did that for three years. Um, we, it was, it was close. Uh, there were, there were months, um, that, you know, where we had less than $10,000 in the bank account. Uh, we were just barely making, uh, the legal fees, um, for a period of time, uh, neither Pete or I took paychecks. Uh, there was a good four or six months where I would go, uh, from 5 AM till 2 PM and work another job. And then Pete and I would split that salary. Uh, so I'd work, uh, from, you know, 6am to 2pm and then, uh, and Pete would work the phones and work hire helper, uh, at the same time. And then I'd come in and work the afternoon shift. Uh, Pete would actually go to a local San Diego casino, uh, <laughs> Ocean's 11 up in Oceanside and, and, uh, and he'd play 2040 limit. And, uh, at the end of the month we'd split his poker winnings and, and my salary and, uh, we'd just survive on that. We we were dying for a way out, and we were just never given it. So we were kind of forced to fight through and, and survive. Um, I mean, I remember uh, being in the hospital, um, you know, down in Scripps and Sanitas and uh, during my, my daughter's birth and just being uh, overwhelmed with thoughts of the lawsuit and the company and how we were going to survive and feeling... Uh, you know, how unfair is that, that I have to, I can't even be enjoying this moment and this, this time when I should, you know, for, remember for the rest of my life. All I remember of that day, I mean, besides, I remember the birth, but I, the things that are most vivid to me are just like how much despair I had over, over the lawsuit and, and being so mad that I was thinking about that, you know, in the birthing room. Three years and close to a half a million dollars later in legal fees, U-Haul did eventually agree to Mike and Pete's settlement offer. A huge weight was lifted off the business, and they could finally focus on the growth they'd been achieving, even while paying the hefty legal fees. Once the lawsuit was behind us, we were super excited for all of that money we spent on legal fees to actually be going into growth and expansion. And um, towards the end of the lawsuit, we were actually, you know, breaking even while paying the legal fees and paying ourselves. Um... So all the legal fees disappearing to us was just this, this huge amount of opportunity, a huge weight lifted off of us. Um, so it was really exciting uh, time to uh, begin to hire people. Um, you know, I, I, we hired two or three key positions within six months and, and really started to push to growth. Uh, it wasn't until then that we the, the growth really um, Percentage-wise, was similar uh, prior to then, but but ever since then, we've we've maintained that that forty to sixty percent year-over-year growth. 
Uh, and that's, it's just gotten, we, we've been able to maintain that since the lawsuit. Um, so it's been more exciting, I would say, every year uh, since then. In 2017, Hire a Helper facilitated over 65,000 moves across the country, totaling about $20 million in gross transactions. Hire a Helper now employs almost 50 people, and their office takes up 20,000 square feet in an office building in downtown Oceanside. The office is hip. It's what you picture when you imagine the workspace of cool, young tech companies. There are Xboxes, staffers can take naps on a collection of giant beanbag-like blow-up chairs, Everyone wears t-shirts and jeans. Hire a helper employees get an unlimited amount of PTO, and the company is known to hire people right out of high school as long as they have the technical chops needed. Mike says things are good. The biggest challenge now is keeping the growth rate cranking. We've become addicted to this high growth model. We love, um, you know, the, the big growth numbers, and uh, the problem with measuring success on a percentage growth uh, basis is that uh, it gets harder every year. Uh, <laughs> so we did, uh, you know, 40,000 transactions in uh, 2016 and 65,000 transactions in uh, 2017. Uh, so, you know, 50% year over year is great, but uh, to do 50% next year, that means we have to add 32,000 uh, transactions. So, um, you know, coming up with a, a plan to grow, you know, the business by 30,000 transactions. That's the equivalent of growing uh, to the size we were after, f- you know, five years in business. Uh, and we have to do all that next year. Uh, <laughs> um, but the, it's, it's fun. I love I love those challenges. Um, and so you're okay, you know, in, in the Silicon Valley tech world, like lifestyle company is a bad <laughs> thing for certain people. Like, it seems like that's what you've built. You've built a company that you know, it's good enough for you. It's good enough for your partner. It's great for the 40 plus people that you employ. Um, but you know, you're not Netflix, but you're okay with that. Or do you feel like you are Netflix? Well, I mean, we're not Netflix yet. (laughs) Uh, we're not in it to be a lifestyle company. Uh, we're in it to take over the industry. Um, we are, uh, convinced that, uh, this, the evolution of the American move of the people renting the truck and doing it themselves with pizza and beer is going to be, uh, you know, people renting the truck or storage containers is kind of a big part of that that's come into play in the last couple of years. And, uh, and, and pushing a button on an app and having a couple guys come out and do it for you. Um, my absolute favorite customer testimonials of all time uh, we've, we've seen some, we have some really amazing video shots of, of actual customers sitting there and drinking wine while their stuff is being moved. And I think that's the future. Thanks for listening to I Made It in San Diego. I wrote and edited the show. Scott Lewis produced it and Adam Greenfield mastered and mixed it. Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast to learn more about our weekly Voice of San Diego political affairs show our Good Schools for All Education podcast, the Kept Faith Sports podcast, Beer Talk Radio, and all the shows in the Voice of San Diego podcast network. If you like the show, consider going on over to voicesandiego.org and clicking the donate button. Or if you'd like to sponsor it, contact me at K-I-N-S-E-E at V-O-S-D.org.